We are back today with Yaakov Katz, former editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, military, security, and political expert, and then some, and we'll be discussing the continuing tragedy unfolding with the Israeli hostages being held by Hamas in the Gaza Strip for 72 days now. The defining moment of last week occurred on Friday, when three hostages who had escaped captivity were shot and killed by the IDF in a horrific error. The impact of that incident on national morale has been devastating, but it has also catalyzed a next level of determination among Israelis. People are enraged. The pot is boiling over. Some family members of hostages met last week with the president of the International Red Cross, Miriana Spoljarec Eger. Their hostility was barely contained, and justly so. The father of 21-year-old Omer Shemtov forced Ms. Spoljarec Eger to physically take an asthma inhaler for his son, without which he suffers terribly. Throughout this ordeal, the International Red Cross has been insouciant at best with respect to the hostages' well-being. They have said little and done less, saying that it is not their place to request from Hamas access to ensure that hostages are being cared for minimally in a manner consistent with the Geneva Convention on War. No, Red Cross does less than nothing. They say it would compromise their neutrality to even just ask Hamas for access to the hostages. The Red Cross exists to assist the helpless precisely in situations like this one. 72 days. This nation is focused on one thing. Bring the hostages home now. Otherwise, why are we fighting this war? I'm Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian ambassador to Israel and now residing in the magnificent state of Tel Aviv. Stay with us. Good morning, Yaakov Katz, Sunday morning in Israel. How are you today? And thank you for joining the state of Tel Aviv. Thank you, Vivian. Overall, okay. A little depressed with the news over the weekend, I have to say. Yeah, it's been a very, very difficult few days. For people in Israel and people abroad who are paying close attention to what's going on here. So let me just set the table, okay? Because I want to dive right into it. It's the hostage issue and related issues. But we discussed last Sunday Prime Minister Netanyahu's delayed meeting with the hostage families, which happened about two weeks ago. And his handling of it wasn't great. He made some rather insensitive comments, and it inflamed tensions that were already there. And then on Friday, there was a horrible incident in which three Israeli hostages who had survived for 70 days, and they emerged from a building in Shijaya, which is a very densely packed urban area in northern Gaza, where there had been intense fighting. They emerged shirtless in order to show that soldiers that they were not carrying or wearing any weapons, and also carrying a white flag and yelling out in Hebrew, Ezra, help. And they were shot and killed by the IDF against the rules of engagement. And it absolutely tore 
apart the heart of the nation yet again. And I'd like you to try to address the gravity and scope of that horrible incident. There are so many different pieces to this. And when I saw the news Friday night, it just, it broke my heart because let's start with the fact that immediately after people ran out to the streets and protest in Tel Aviv. Now imagine had they been, had the news come out that they had been rescued, you would have had the flip happen. The opposite. People would have run out to the streets in celebration because the whole operation itself, the whole legitimacy, the justification is two, right? It's we have to stop Hamas, weaken Hamas, topple Hamas so it can't attack us again, but also get back the hostages. And if you were able to retrieve or rescue three live hostages from right near where you're operating, it shows how important it shows us how important it is as Israelis. It shows the world how important and justified. This operation is for world and global legitimacy. But instead, we don't know the full story of what happened there, right? It seems that there was a single soldier who identified them, yelled out, Mechablim, terrorists, open fire, shot two, killed them right away. A third ran back into the building they'd come out of, came back out again, and then was shot again. Something went wrong, obviously, in the rules of engagement. And, and this raises serious questions because part of Israel's argument is that we are discriminate in the way we attack people. We don't just attack indiscriminately. What's the excuse? And it's hard to put ourselves in the shoes of these soldiers, in the boots of these combat soldiers who are literally under crazy pressure, intense situations, complicated reality. I don't want to judge them. I can only imagine how whoever it was who pulled that trigger is eating themselves up mm. with the guilt and the pain and the trauma of what they did. But this has to be a moment of where we have introspection and to look and, and investigate what went wrong. Why did it go wrong? What can be done to prevent this from happening again? Because now we understand and we know, right, the soldiers are operating in an area where there are also hostages. And we have to be more careful. You, you have the pain. You have the fallout that will be internationally because people will accuse us and this will reinforce the claims of indiscriminate killings. But you also have, I think, the heart of the Israeli, which is broken today, and is thinking about, is this operation even worth it anymore? Maybe we need to, you mentioned, Vivian, the deal that's back, the calls for a swap that's back on the table, the head of the Mossad off in Europe over the weekend to meet with Qatari's prime minister and try to reignite the talks about a swap. And I'll add just one other component to it. Who announced that the hostages were killed? The IDF spokesperson Friday night. That was another particularly galling moment. Yet again, Prime Minister Netanyahu shirks. Correct. And I know that had it been the opposite, had they gotten hostages home, oh my God, what a political festival they would have made out of this. Because we know that it's, it bothers me, right? In other words, you're not a prime minister and you're not the defense minister and you're not the chief of staff just for the celebrations, you're also the prime minister, defense minister, and chief of staff for the failures that also happen. And let me, I want to recognize the IDF chief of staff, Herzi Halevi, for, and Minister of Defense, Yoav Gallant, for standing up and wearing it and saying, buck stops with me. They each did that. What I wonder, Yaakov, is you've got this war cabinet. You've got these five heavy hitters, in the, including Bibi, in the war cabinet room, why do they not say to him, no, prime minister, no, you have to step up and take this one. 
you have to be a leader in front of the people this time. First of all, maybe they are. I don't know. I think that they probably understand who they're dealing with. They know that it's a lost cause and it's not worth it. What can we really expect from this individual? And 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 that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. So I'm not sure to your question of can the war cabinet bang its fist on the table and say, Mr. Prime Minister, you have to take responsibility for this. Maybe they could, but he won't care, right? He doesn't care. And that, that that's what hurts. So painful. So last night I was at what has been renamed Hostage Square in Tel Aviv for the big rally every Saturday night in support of hostages and the families. And it was quite a roster of speakers. Eric Adams, mayor of New York City, sent in a video clip, which was amazing. Michael Rappaport, the actor who has been everywhere this week. He's amazing. He's like fire and such a powerful, passionate speaker. And the German ambassador to Israel, he spoke so eloquently in Hebrew. It was very moving. But then came up Amos Gilad. Now, Amos Gilad is a now retired, but was army general. He was in charge of military intelligence for many years. When I was serving as Canadian ambassador to Israel, I met with him on many occasions. And as we both know, just the epitome of that kind of crusty, Israeli, tough guy general. Amos Gilad comes up and he spoke so powerfully. And what he said is what so many of us worry about and think. That from the beginning of the war, the government and the IDF seem to have vacillated. As you said, the, the whole point of this war is get the hostages and crush Hamas. But it seems like sometimes it's like more focused on crushing Hamas. And if the hostages perish in the process, it's terrible. And what Amos Gilad said was you can't have one without the other. But first, we must bring our people home or we are done. We're done. Our soul is just going to be destroyed. And it was an impactful speech he made. What do you think about the kind of the kind of what seemed to be shifting priorities? Is it really that way or is that an exaggeration? I think it's totally that way. And I think that depending on who you talk to and where they're coming from on this, there there is a lot of pressure to say. And you hear there's stuff leaks out all the time and. People say, well, the 140 who are left there, or now it's much, it's less than 140 because they're finding bodies and those three who were killed, unfortunately, on Friday. Those three who were killed on Friday and also news on Saturday that Inbar Haiman, a 27-year-old female hostage, was also murdered. We don't yet know the circumstances, but yeah. We're down to like 135 or so or 134, but the those people who are left, there are also all these people who keep on saying, well, a, a lot of them are no longer alive. So everything needs to be put into context. But on the other hand, and it comes back to something that's very basic, I think, from day one of this whole war, the fact that people were taken from their homes, their beds, their communities, this just adds a whole layer to it that we have no, we can no longer trust our government. How can we trust our government to, to live in our homes? How can we trust our government to walk on our streets? So they have to do everything possible to get these people back. And And I don't know that is the focus. And I think that the prime minister to a large extent and the war cabinet, yes, they got a hundred back and that was incredible, but we can't forget that there's still these people who are still there and we have to do, we have to make this the priority again. Also just because Vivian and I'm and maybe I'm wrong and probably I'm wrong, but I'll say it anyhow, we're not going to destroy Hamas, right? We also need some, some, an adult to get up and tell us that we're not going to destroy Hamas. 
What we're going to do is hopefully create a new security reality. That's what we're going to do. We don't yet know what that security reality will look like, how exactly it's going to play out. What is what what will happen when we shift from the high intensity conflict stage that we're in now to mm -hmm. the low intensity conflict stage that we'll be in? Is it going to be in three weeks, in a month, in six weeks? I don't know. At some point, we're going to make that shift. What does that low intensity conflict stage look like? Is all other question. But but Hamas will still be there to an extent. So but, but who can that be allowed to be there? Are the hostages, and that has to be the biggest priority of all. The other thing that was dampening the mood in Israel last week and lingers is the very high toll on the IDF and on many elite combat yeah. troops in the IDF. It's Sunday. What do you think we can expect to see in the coming days with respect to hostages, military action? Because the mood in this country, I think we're the pot's boiled over. We've also seen in the last week significant confrontations between hostage families and Red Cross leadership when the Red Cross president of the International Red Cross came to Israel to meet with the families and met with quite deservedly a wall and wave of hostility. So we've got a lot swirling around. What do you think we can see or expect to see in the coming days? Look, Sajayi is obviously, and that's where unfortunately these three hostages were killed, is a very complicated, dense, urban setting. People walking by, suddenly a Hamas guy pops out of a tunnel, opens fire. We had two soldiers who were killed. Remember, Sajayi is just a few hundred meters away from Nachal Oz and some of the Israeli kibbutzim, right? They, if we're creating this new security reality, we have to take out the Hamas battalion that has been operating there, which is one of the more battle-hardened and advanced battalions of Hamas. So that's what this, that's why that this operation is so important there. But then there's also Khan Yunus, which is where we presume that Sinwar, Def, and some of the other top guys are. And we still haven't gotten to them. And that has to be put into, <laughs> has to be said. We're eight, nine weeks almost into this, and we still have not taken out Hamas's leadership. They're still intact. So when we think about ending this operation, the Americans now pushing for the end to the high intensity stage. Right. How can we end the stage without taking out Hamas's leaders? They cannot be allowed to remain standing when we start to withdraw some of our forces. So I think that you're, despite all the, the unbearable loss and pain and grief, this has to continue. One of the conditions that has been floated uh, in the last week for release of the hostages has been a guarantee from Israel for safe passage for those leaders you identified just now. Israel agreed to that in 1982 when the yeah. PLO was forced out of Beirut. Do you think that is something that would even be considered by the government today with respect to Hamas leadership? If there's an option on the table that allows for the release of all remaining hostages and the price to be paid is that Sinwar and five other people get to go off to Qatar, or let them go. And I think that the government would have to accept that deal because we have to get these people home. We, we can hunt down Sinwar later on. We'll get to him. His days are numbered, no matter what. Probably easier to get to him uh, when he's not in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, yeah. I would tend we'll to get agree to You know you. what? It might take five years. It might take 10 years. It might take 15 years. But one day we'll wake up, and it could be 15 years from now, and we'll hear news that this guy, Sinwar, was shot in the head or was poisoned or blew up in a car or something, and we'll all smile that day when that happens. We might even pour out into the streets of Tel Aviv. Maybe. Yaakov Katz, 
always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. And to our listeners, we trust you found this update informative. These are extremely difficult days in Israel. And as we know well, in the Gaza Strip. This war that no civilians wanted, however, was forced upon us. It's heartbreaking and tragic. But ask yourself, what would you do? Turning the other cheek in these circumstances simply is not an option for Israel, and it would not be for any Western nation. There is no justification for the savagery that Hamas inflicted on Israel on October 7th that Hamas gloats about, and that Hamas pledges to do again and again and again. This death cult carnage must stop. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond podcast. We'll keep the dispatches coming as frequently as we can. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment, rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can check out our full library of articles and podcasts at our website, stateoftelaviv.com. State of Tel Aviv is an independent media venture, and we rely on subscribers to support our work. If you are not yet a paying subscriber, please consider taking the plunge today. Each person really does make a huge difference, especially in these very challenging times in Israel. It is important that you stay informed and current and seek out a range of perspectives. This is a pivotal moment in Israeli history. It is not a time to be passive and disengaged. Thanks for sticking with me to the end. I'm Vivian Berkovich, signing off from deep inside the state of Tel Aviv. <laughs>